0: Reading from Psalm 11. These are God's words. For the choir director of David. In Yahweh I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, What can the righteous do? Yahweh is in his holy temple. Yahweh's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. Yahweh tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. May he rain down snares upon the wicked. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For Yahweh is righteous, he loves righteousness, the upright will behold his face. These are God's words. You can take your seats. God has given us here through David the psalmist a wonderful remedy for escapism. Escapism is a terrible temptation and every Christian needs God's help to fight it. By escapism, I mean the sinful inclination to reason yourself out of engagement, rationalizing escape, choosing flight over fight, survival over godly risk-taking. We know from the rest of Scripture that there are legitimate reasons and legitimate circumstances where we can flee, but in this psalm, we see that David was called to engage with his enemy, and had to reject the temptation to run away from his duty. The psalm has a three-part structure to it. First, David confesses his faith in the living God in the first half of verse one. He says, in Yahweh, I take refuge. This puts everything else he says in context. Second, he scoffs at the advice now given to him by his friends in verses one through three. And lastly, he declares a string of truths that ultimately undermine their flawed advice. We're going to spend most of our time considering the flawed advice of David's friends, since I hear a lot of the same kind of reasoning going about the church today. But how do we know that it was David's friends that were giving him this advice? I've just asserted this point so far. In verse 1, we have the pronoun you, And we're not told what the you are, or who the you are, I should say. All interpreters have to figure out who the you in this verse is. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? So I believe the you are his friends because their advice is well-intentioned. They are trying to help David think through his difficult situation. They also say that the enemies pursuing David are the wicked ones, And it is implied that David is part of the righteous who can do nothing when the foundations are destroyed. David is repeating their advice in order to ridicule it. How can you say to my soul, flee? Why would you say that? You don't understand. Evidently, fleeing would display a lack of faith in this case. Well-meaning friends often try to lighten our burdens at times when they should be pushing us to do the hard thing, it's okay to lighten some burdens, but others have to be faced head on. A good friend will encourage you to tackle those duties and shoot down any excuses when they hear them come from your lazy lips. But David's friends did the opposite and gave him two reasons to flee from his duties they said two things that they believed gave David sufficient cause to run for the hills. The first was that the wicked will succeed if David engages them. Verse 2. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. So David's friends were defeatists. They saw the power of his enemies, and with that, No chance of victory. They were too strong. Their bows were ready. All it would take is for David to walk toward them and they'd let those arrows fly into his upright heart. The second reason was that David could do nothing because of what the wicked had already done. Verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? It is already too late, they say. The kingdom is in disarray. What can you do, David, when the things that once supported your rule have been stripped away? The wicked have taken a jackhammer to what you had, and now there is nothing to fight for. Doesn't this defeatist reasoning sound so familiar? Don't we hear people saying, yes, New Zealand used to be a Christian nation, but it's too far gone now. Why polish wood on a sinking walker? Uh, beside, Satan is the ruler of this age. We can't expect any cultural victory when Satan holds so much power over our culture. If we flee from all confrontation in the public sphere, we'll still have some use up in the mountains. I mean, up in, the, in our churches. The modern church reasons just like David's friends. They are newspaper exegetes and call their escapism Realism. But if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The answer that we should give is a lot. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. This land is his inheritance. It has been given to him by the Father. He has given us his spirit and he has promised to be with us in power till the end of the age. If the foundations are in fact destroyed, we should get to work. We must reclaim the crown rights of Jesus over our nation and fulfill the Great Commission. The current state of the culture should never sway our decision to engage the culture. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk with the power of his promise in our hearts. In the words of Calvin, Quote, This psalm teaches us that however much the world may hate and persecute us, we ought nevertheless to continue steadfast at our post, that we may not deprive ourselves of a right to lay claim to the promises of God, or that these may not slip away from us, and that however much and however long we may be harassed, we ought always to continue firm and unwavering in the faith, of our having the call of God. David showed that his friend's reasoning had no relevance to his situation by declaring a bunch of true things that made all the difference in verses four through to the end. Yahweh is in his holy temple. Yahweh's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. Yahweh tests the righteous But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Then, like many other psalms, David petitions God to act. May he rain snares upon the wicked, fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For Yahweh is righteous, he loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. David's friends sinfully did not consider who God was when giving their advice. If they did, they would have known that despite all odds, David's cause would gain the victory, whether during his lifetime or after it, because he was on the side of righteousness, that is, on God's side. David's duty was to obey, knowing that God would be faithful to his promises. His courageous stand would not be for nothing. Knowing that Yahweh is in his holy temple, ruling over the affairs of man, is the remedy for escapism. We can engage the enemies of of righteousness knowing that Yahweh loves righteousness. We are not to shrink back in fear or flee to a safe place. We are not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good.
1: The No.